Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's Wednesday, March 8th. Who's more scared, the children or the adults? We start here. After a ban on performances, drag queens tell the Tennessee governor to sashay away. No one's trying to turn kids queer. We're trying to keep queer kids alive. But could simply being transgender in public become a criminal act? Women sue the Texas state government over abortion law. It was like they were afraid that they would be arrested just for saying the word abortion out loud. What happens when not getting an abortion could kill you? And if you look out to your right, you'll see another airline we're about to gobble up. This merger will limit choices and drive up ticket prices for passengers across the country. The government moves to block JetBlue from landing a mega deal. From ABC News, this is Start Here. I'm Brad Milkey. Last week, Tennessee lawmakers passed a new law that bans certain types of performances in public space or any place, really, where a child might see them. Included in this ban are topless acts, strippers, or, quote, male or female impersonators who provide entertainment that appeals to prurient interests, end quote, which could be interpreted as a long way of saying drag shows. The word drag is not in this bill, but it appears that at least some drag shows would be effectively banned in spaces open to children in Tennessee. In any case, this comes at a moment where lawmakers in Tennessee and elsewhere are describing gay, trans, and gender nonconforming people as not just different, but dangerous. The young people had been, in essence, groomed in school and other places, and then they've gone off into some of this transgender type stuff. Proponents of this bill describe the need to protect children from over-sexualized content. Many LGBTQ Americans, though, feel like their art forms and even their gender identity have come under attack. A little terrifying um, because it kind of seems like they're setting up this groundwork for sort of like a morality police thing, giving very mid-century. Tennessee is not the only state that's proposed laws like this. There will almost certainly be more. So as this bill takes effect this week, we wanted to find out how what can seem kind of like abstract culture wars will affect real people's lives. So this morning we are joined by Memphis drag artist Slade Kyle. Slade, you do a lot of live shows, right? Can you can you uh, describe your act for me? Sure. Uh, I am a full-time drag performer, and I perform as Bella DeBall. That's literally all I do. I look pretty, I talk on the mic, and I book one hell of a drag show. And I am the show host at the Atomic Rose. So I would say that my drag persona is kind of the intersection between Miss Piggy, Dolly Parton, and Mr. Rogers. Did somebody order a giant angry woman? Most of what I do is classic southern drag. Big hair, big flashy gowns, ballads, and just a general good time and some southern charm. But whatever happens, we are queer people. We are very strong, and we will rise. And if this is not somebody's scene, just so we're all clear, like as a drag queen on stage, you're going by Bella DeBall, this sort of female character. How do you identify offstage? Yeah, offstage, I'm non-binary. I use they, them pronouns. Right. What was your reaction then to this law being passed? 
I wish I could say that I was surprised uh, when we heard the legislation introduced. I feared that uh, living in such a red state, it would probably pass and that the governor would indeed sign it. We're one of 19 states that are currently looking at such legislation, and I was hoping we would not be the first, but look at us out here pioneering. You may have incorrectly heard that this bill bans drag shows in Tennessee. It does no such thing. What the bill does is simply say that if you're going to perform any type of sexually explicit adult-oriented entertainment, you can't have kids around. That's all it does. My initial reaction to this was uh, a lot of fear, a lot of anger, you know, and we were worried. We were worried about our livelihood. Is there is there a sense of how it would affect an act like yours or any of these acts in town? Because it's it's rather ambiguous language. I mean, is there a sense of what would actually happen in, in a given scenario? Yeah, uh, the, the language is so ambiguous because as you point out, it, it says that it's adult cabaret performances that appeal to prurient interest. And here in Tennessee, prurient means uh, a morbid or shameful interest in sex. Mm. And so the district attorney has, uh, here Steve Mulroy in Memphis, made a statement that there is not a single drag show happening in this county that is in violation of this law. I think it's a solution in search of a problem. I think we've got so much on our plate right now that we should be focusing on drag racing, not drag shows. Because drag performances are not prurient. They are not sexual by nature. And so this law does not apply to us. Yeah, I was going to say, because this law is, it says it's aimed at keeping children away from over-sexualized material. Like, is doesn't sound like, is that a, would that be a problem? Well, now see, we already have obscenity laws here in Tennessee. We have laws that firmly prohibit you from being able to do any sexual display in front of a minor. Our shows and our festivals have always adhered to those laws. So we were questioning why this new legislation. I don't want to ban a theater theater company from doing a production of Mrs. Doubtfire <laughs> in, in a public park. I think most people have seen that movie. No, Robin Williams was dressing up as a woman. Uh, we don't have an issue with that. It's like they say about pornography. You know it when you see it. It's all under this guise of we have to protect the children. we got to protect the children. This is what happens in Bill Lee's Tennessee. So last week, four protesters, including myself, went to the grand opening of the YMCA in Whitehaven here in Memphis because we heard word that the governor would be there speaking. And my question to the governor was, can you produce any evidence of a child being harmed or abused at a drag show? He can't cite one. Not a single instance has this ever occurred. So we're, we're, we're battling this amorphous thing that does not exist rather than tackling real issues that face our kids here in Tennessee. It applies to all entertainers, regardless of how they dress. And quite frankly, it's a very common sense piece of legislation. Their attempt is to say that all drag is indeed adult cabaret. You know, the, the purpose of this bill is to try and classify all drag entertainers. There's another one now that just passed the House that will require all of us to get adult cabaret licenses. So we'll have to go before the stripper board and get a, an adult stripper license. You would have to get a stripper license for your drag act? Yes, yes. I would have to get, I'm a minister and I have to go get a stripper's license to continue doing drag. If you have one of those, you cannot also have an alcohol license. So our bar wouldn't even serve liquor anymore. This is an attempt to erase drag in Tennessee. And the whole thing is being done under this supposed guise of we have to protect these kids. But again, I, I reiterate, it's an invisible threat. There is no evidence to this. You know, our show is an all ages show. That means that if a kid is under 18, they have to be accompanied by an adult. They can't just wander in off the street. Drag queens aren't just walking into public schools and things uninvited. These are things that you have to to bring a child to. Well, and, and public libraries are actually kind of an interesting example because we've seen 
you know, these things called drag queen story hour. Drag queens show up in full drag to read children's books. It's been criticized by people who are made uncomfortable by it. It's often praised by parents who bring their kids. But Mm -hmm. that's not something that seems overtly sexual, even if it is gender bendy. So I'm wondering, like, do you have a sense that would be illegal under this bill? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, no, no drag in public. Yeah. So when I get invited to go to the library to read, they wouldn't want me doing that anymore. They don't want me marching in the parade anymore. Prurient. in public that a child could view because that's considered prurient. Right. My existence is considered prurient, right? That's the whole thing. It's like just being a drag queen, not that I'm doing anything sexual. They're implicating that my uh, that I am inherently sexual or inappropriate. Well, that's actually the next thing I wanted to ask about because we've been talking about drag queens and drag performers. Can we just talk about trans people and non-binary people living their lives? Because we've seen a lot of like openly expressed fear from people saying, forget performing. Like if I'm just going to a grocery store dressed in clothes that someone thinks I shouldn't be wearing, they're going to try to get me arrested for quote unquote performing my gender. Is that a real concern? That's my fear, you know, because right now there's so much misinformation surrounding the law. You know, people are publicizing drag has been banned in Tennessee. That's so inaccurate. But people will hear it and they will believe it. And so my fear is if I wear this dress to Kroger, Mm. are they going to call the cops and say, look, there's someone out here being obscene in front of my kids. You need to take them away. These ridiculous policies aren't just unnecessary. Uh, They are dangerous. They are they uh, vilify our fellow Americans. This is a concentrated attack on the LGBT community of Tennessee. It's an attempt to tell us we don't want you here. Or if you stay here, we're going to take your rights away. Where do you think that's coming from, though? Like bills like this and attitudes like this from these elected officials? Because I do think there's like lots of Americans who are like, yeah, sorry, I just don't like want my kid to have to be confused about gender and being like preached to by this drag queen that comes in and says, yeah, this is normal. Or like where where do you think this response is sort of coming from? I think it's uh, an attempt to control what their kid's worldview is. You know, like we're not trying to to expose a child to anything other than maybe the the ability to see themselves in an example. You know, for me, I had no examples of queer representation growing up, and it would have done me a lot of good to see a person that exemplified, I have a future. Mm. I, too, could belong here in Tennessee. Maybe maybe this isn't the end for me. So when I hear this this idea that it's it's about the kids, it's about protecting the kids. I want to know about the queer kids. What about the trans kids that are here in Tennessee? Don't tell me they don't exist. I meet them at my brunches every single week. The Trevor Project released that last year, 45% of queer youth contemplated suicide. One out of five trans or gender nonconforming teens attempted suicide. And we're not at this this uh, highly increased risk because of our gender identity or our sexual orientation. It's because we live in a society that allows people to dehumanize us openly and it undervalues us. That is what weighs on us. And we know that these kids are less likely to be at risk for suicide if anyone in their life affirms them. To take away hope is to take away not just mental health, but physical health for so many innocent kids. Homosexuality is not vampirism. You know, you you cannot turn a kid queer. You can't do that. No one's trying to turn kids queer. We're trying to keep queer kids alive. 
And if you expose a child to queer culture and they're not they're not inherently going to be queer already, the worst that it could do to them is inform their worldview that there are people out there that are different than them that they might have to learn to get along with one day. Are you going to keep performing? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this is my full-time job. I'm not going to quit. You know, this is a, I'm used to talking to a bar, half of which people are listening. Now the whole world is listening. And I'm not about to stop. You know, this is an important time. Are you afraid Are you afraid that this is going to escalate in a way that gets you, I don't know, arrested or fined or whatever? I've made it 43 years without a charge, and if I catch one for a good cause, I think I'm okay with that. All right, well, you can still catch Bella DeBall performances in Memphis for the foreseeable future. Uh, Slade, Kyle, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you. By the way, if you're experiencing thoughts of suicide or substance abuse or other mental health crises, please call or text 988. Trained crisis counselors are available for free 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And just this week, they announced they're ramping up services specifically for members of the LGBTQ community. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you ever wondered what you would do with an extra hour in your day? I think about this all the time. I'm like, I would be so productive. I'd exercise more, or I'd read a book, or I'd take a nap, like restore myself. We often find ourselves yearning for these extra hours, but the real question is, what would you do if you were making yourself a priority? Well, how about therapy? It can help you discover what's important so you can make the most of your time. If you've ever benefited from therapy, you know how transformative it can be. It's not just for those who have experienced major trauma. Therapy empowers you to learn positive coping skills, set boundaries, and become the best version of yourself. If you're considering starting therapy, you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and tailored to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. And here's the beauty of it. You can switch therapists if you're not finding the right fit. No additional charge. Take the first step. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash start here today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash start here. We all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but when it comes to your health, there should be no compromise. Don't go back to that one doctor, you know the type, like I've had this person before, that doesn't actually listen to you or who seems just in a rush to end your appointment that you spent months making. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. So no compromises here because with ZocDoc, you got more options than you know. We're talking about booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated, patient-reviewed, credible doctors and specialists. Go to ZocDoc.com slash start here and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's ZocDoc, Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash start here. ZocDoc.com slash start here. At the very southern tip of the Texas border yesterday, two Americans were returned to the States from Mexico. I got my daughter and she's alive. Everything just right now just seems so surreal. That was the reaction from family of two of the four people who were dragged out of their car amid gunfire. Those people survived, but their other two traveling companions were found dead. My heart was low because of how they were treating them. You know, they were just slamming them on the truck like they were dead dogs. 
According to Mexican officials, this appeared to be a misunderstanding by a Mexican gang who thought these Americans were rival human traffickers crossing the border. In the days after these people were taken, the gang apparently ferried them around from place to place until police found them in a wooden house near Matamoros. But as this story of life and death was unfolding near Brownsville, Texas, well, on the other side of the state, a group of women in Austin was out in front of the state house saying their lives had been placed into jeopardy right there in the state they love. It is now dangerous to be pregnant in Texas. This case calls into question Texas's near total ban on abortion, and ABC's Maria Villarreal was there as a group of women was speaking out about this law. Maria, it seems notable that if the goal was to keep women from terminating unwanted pregnancies, these apparently started out as very much wanted pregnancies. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was very clear by listening to each very personal and emotional story that these women wanted to have a child. So this wasn't an abortion by choice. These were abortions by by necessity. The Supreme Court's unwarranted reversal of Roe versus Wade has resulted in a health care crisis. There are five women and two doctors that were involved, and we predominantly heard from the women who are plaintiffs in this case. They are suing the state of Texas, the Texas Medical Board, and also the Texas Medical Board's executive director. Patients are being denied necessary, life-saving obstetrical care. Why? Because abortion is a crime in Texas, punishable by up to 99 years in prison. What they are saying is that SB8, which is the law in Texas that basically restricts, that bans all abortions in this state, um, it has a clause in it for emergencies. They are saying, listen, We're not trying to overturn this law. We're not going down that road right now. But what we are saying is that this law is very unclear within the medical profession, and it is causing confusion. And that confusion is also putting our lives in danger. About six months ago, I was thrilled to be cruising through the second trimester of my very first pregnancy. Each one of them talked about um, getting pregnant and being excited about it. One woman, for example, Amanda, talked about how she went to the doctor. She said, I'm not feeling right. Something is going wrong. My husband and I received the harrowing news that I had dilated prematurely due to a condition known as cervical insufficiency. And the doctor basically said, you will inevitably lose your baby. I asked what could be done to ensure the respectful passing of our baby And what could protect me from a deadly infection now that my body was unprotected and vulnerable? And the doctor said, you really have no other choice. You are not sick enough at this point for us to order an abortion. Not sick enough to get an abortion because that's part of the exception they're thinking about. You know, it's interesting because this particular doctor that treated Amanda basically was interpreting the law in a way that made it sound like if you're not sick enough then we cannot perform an abortion. We cannot order an abortion for you. So even though I had lost all of my amniotic fluid, something an unborn child simply cannot survive without, we had to wait. The problem in Amanda's cases is that very quickly she became sick, sepsis for her. Uh, She had family coming in and actually sitting by her bedside in an ICU room because her case had quickly turned so severe. And it all boiled down to the fact that she could not get her pregnancy terminated at the time that she was originally told that it was not a viable pregnancy. I cannot adequately put into words the trauma and despair 
that comes with waiting to either lose your own life, your child's life, or both. What are the results of waiting like this or having to travel out of state or what? What are the results of not being able to receive that care at that moment? You know, it's really interesting. Listen to each one of these women's stories. You can tell that they all had one thing in common, right? They obviously wanted to have a baby. They wanted to love the child, but they also were put in a very, very difficult position. I love Texas, and it kills me that my own state does not seem to care if I live or die. All of them ended up having to go out of state. They had the means to do so. One ended up in Colorado. One ended up in Seattle. Getting on that flight to Colorado was one of the most terrifying experiences of my life. It was like Russian roulette, knowing I was at risk of infection, hemorrhaging, or going into labor at any moment of the two and a half hour flight. And one thing that they made very clear was they said, listen, we had the means and support to do this. But what we are more concerned about are the women out there, the families that don't have the means and support to do this. As for this lawsuit, is the goal here, would they end up getting money from the state or is it more that the law would have to get changed? I mean, what is the end result they're seeking here? I certainly think that these women want to be made whole. The preventable harm inflicted on me will medically make it harder than it already was for me to get pregnant again. The barbaric restrictions our lawmakers have passed are having real life implications on real people. What their main goal right now is to get politicians to listen to them, to sit down with them and to have a true discussion. They don't expect for Texas to overturn SB8. They don't expect for Texas to all of a sudden say, listen, you can now have abortions in Texas. But what they do want to do is they want to create a path for women, for families to say, if there is an emergency here, if your life is in danger, here, here is a true guideline, a true medical guideline that will help doctors better understand what this law means for women, for pregnancies. Right now it's confusing. As my medical providers tried to counsel me on my options, they would stop mid-sentence looking for the words. It was like they were afraid that they would be arrested just for saying the word abortion out loud. I think the medical professionals in Texas are very scared of being targeted by the Texas Attorney General. The state of Texas says they want to preserve life by banning safe legal abortions, but I've never felt my life mattered less than it did during this situation. Thank you. We did reach out to the Texas Medical Board, and we haven't heard back from them. We also reached out to the Texas Attorney General's office and asked them for comment. And even though they're not willing to do an interview with us, because right now this is now considered pending litigation, um, they did send us a letter saying that they, to them, to the Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, it is important, the health and welfare of not just children, but also would-be mothers, mothers in this case. Um, and they referred us back to a letter that dissected SB8, the abortion uh, bill that passed and that is now in place here in Texas. You think about the stakes for these women. I mean, they, they articulated the stakes for their lives very clearly. And then these doctors, I mean, the penalty for, for breaking these laws can be 20 years, even life in prison. Maria Villarreal on a busy day in Texas. Thank you. Thanks, Brad. Okay, one more quick break. When we come back, surely you can't be serious about this merger. Well, they are serious. And don't call Merrick Garland Shirley. One last thing is next. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. 
We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. And one last thing. I remember when JetBlue was becoming a thing. It was operating out of a little airport near me. I used it to fly off to college, and suddenly there I am in the air going, what is this plucky little airline with simple little snacks and direct TV? Well, JetBlue, of course, is no longer just a startup. It's the sixth largest air carrier in the country. And last year, it announced it was planning to take over the seventh largest, Spirit Airlines. But yesterday, the Department of Justice announced it would sue to block this from happening. This merger will limit choices and drive up ticket prices for passengers across the country. That's not the CEO of a rival airline. That is the Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland, who announced this challenge at a press conference yesterday. If not blocked, the merger of JetBlue and Spirit would result in higher fares and fewer choices for tens of millions of travelers across the country. The confusing thing here is no one quite seems where they were a few years ago. For the last couple decades, airline mergers have been happening more and more often. We just want to say thank you for choosing TWA. In 2001, TWA ceased to be the behemoth it was for half a century and was instead acquired by American Airlines. A few years later, America West joined with U.S. Airways. Then the whole thing got swallowed up by American Airlines as well. That's just one of many, many mergers that have taken place in recent years with no interference from Uncle Sam. But something funny happened along the way. Some airlines became known exclusively as budget airlines. Our desire is to go above and beyond. We always take care of our customers. That's our 51-year history here at Southwest Airlines. Southwest, Spirit, Frontier, they proudly compared themselves to dollar stores, saying even if you're annoyed by our fees, hey, you'll like our prices, it created two similar but different markets. But in the years since, large groups of Americans have hated airlines more. Last year, Gallup showed more people disliked the airline industry than a Approved of it. That rage has not escaped politicians. Junk fees may not matter to the very wealthy, but they matter to most other folks in homes like the one I grew up in, like many of you did. Which brings us back to this merger between JetBlue, which has become one of the full-service airlines, and Spirit, one of the budgets. For this reason, JetBlue says it's not creating a monopoly. It's almost two different businesses joining forces to take on the big boys. Merrick Garland sees it differently. If the acquisition is approved, JetBlue plans to abandon Spirit's business model, remove seats from Spirit's planes, and charge Spirit's customers higher prices. He says even if you hate Spirit Airlines and folks that charge you for bottled water, the fact that they exist actually keeps everyone else's prices lower. If your fares spiral out of control, at some point Spirit becomes your competitor, as long as you haven't bought them out first. In a statement, JetBlue said, quote, this merger will create a national low fare, high quality competitor to the big four carriers, which, thanks to their own DOJ approved mergers, you hear the shade there, control about 80% of the U.S. market. But Spirit themselves once disagreed with that statement back when executives tried to convince shareholders this merger was a bad idea. Now they're on board, tray tables are in their upright and locked positions, and there's turbulence on the horizon. What is it about us also where I will literally change my whole itinerary to book a flight that is $10 cheaper, then 
I'll spend an extra $30 on cab fare instead of the public transit because now my flight is so early. I have to spend that money. Hey, if you like us more than your airlines at least, leave us a five-star rating and review. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your seatmate about the show. Tell your flight attendant about the show as long as they're not demonstrating where emergency exits are. I'm Brad Milkey. See you tomorrow. People who disappear without a trace. Where is she? The most notorious murder cases in New York. Pure evil. And the most devious killers. There's a Hannibal Lecter feel to him. For chilling true crime stories, follow the True Crime NYC podcast wherever you listen.